Welcome. I'm your host, Alex Avila, founder of College, Career, and Beyond, also known as CAB, where our listeners go on a journey and hear stories about academic, economic, political, social struggles, and or advancements in today's world. Stay tuned and plug with CAB. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another podcast with College, Career, and Beyond. I'm your host, Alex Avila. We have the amazing, lovely, intelligent Maxine Hughes. Is that your last name? Hughes? Maxine Hughes. Hughes. Yes. Hughes. All right. And uh, she's a big deal, ladies and gentlemen. She's been doing her thing for the last... Would you say you've been in your profession for almost five, six years now? No, it's been over a decade. Ten years? Mm-hmm. Wow. I graduated with my master's in 2010. So we're at um, we're at the decade mark, pretty much. It's been like ten and a half years, essentially. Oh, we got to mm-hmm. celebrate that. And then tell, because we're going to go right into your story, how you got into what you're doing. Tell everybody what is your profession. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, um, and uh, also I added a specialization after I got licensed as a certified sex therapist candidate, where I'm currently completing my hours to be certified as a sex therapist, and um, I have a private practice in Beverly Hills (laughs) that's now virtual due to COVID. Um, called Life and Sex Therapy Center. That's a great way to open up this podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, I know you got a lot of questions. Um, and uh, I know from my students, I'm a professor. Um, I teach liberal studies and I also teach English, um, all pretty much from entry to grad school. So I'm all over the place with it. But I always have these students who are always asking questions about professions and um, how to get into certain fields. And I was like, you know what? You will be a great interview. I actually wrapped up a few classes. And out of, uh, I think it was 300 students, I had seven that are thinking about going into social work or... or Clinical site. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they really have no clue. So you're like the guru in this space, and we're going to go right into it. But before we start and talk about this profession and what you do... Let's talk about how uh, you came to be who you are today. Um, so let's go back a little bit. So let's go. Let's go back a little bit. So when did you feel um, you had a knack uh, to talking and working with people? Um, ironically, I never I didn't know that, actually, maybe until I was my second year of grad school. Um, second year of grad school. Yeah, I didn't realize, actually, um Starting off, um, I did community college, and initially I wanted to be a, um, I started off wanting to be a preschool teacher, then I wanted to do, go into communications, because I saw myself being like on a dateline or a type of show like that. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) Okay, so you went from teacher to dateline show? Like a broadcasting, like nightline type of deal. And then after that, Hold on, where did you get that? Was there a show you was watching? Maybe I, at that time I would watch Dateline a lot. I'm not really sure, but um, I do know 
then after that i was like maybe i'll be a pilot all over the place right pilot a pilot so then um that kind of transition by that time i was done with two years in school wait teacher hotline communicated communications yeah dateline kind of thing and in the sky been a pilot yes wow all over the place and then um that went from oh by the time i transferred i was like oh I'll, i think i want to be a lawyer transfer wait because i was at community college and what then community i tra- college did you go to i went to valley college san bernardino valley college ladies and gentlemen shout out to the sbvc yeah i went to san bernardino valley college and then i transferred to ucr hold on hold on was you how long was you in san bernardino valley college two years wait you was two years Mm-hmm. You didn't do the whole seven like everybody did? No. Two years. I was, after my first semester, I got put on the, in the Honor Society. And I had this teacher, Dr. Joel Lamore, who was my English honors professor. And he went to Loyola and he was amazing. And he really inspired me. And so I was like, I want to go to Loyola. And so I got accepted to Loyola and I was so excited and so happy but it was really expensive, and I got a scholarship for UCR. So then I went to UCR. Okay, wow. Okay, this is we're moving faster than lightning. <laughs> All right, hold on. So let's go back, try this, back, try this. So what kind of student were you in elementary? Elementary, I was a good student. All the way until maybe fourth grade, we moved. And after that, we moved from Los Angeles to the IE. Okay. And I was like, when we were in L.A., Actually, you know what? I did the second grade. I got held back twice. Wait, you got left back twice? I got held back. I did the second grade twice. So you, y'all hear y'all call it held back? So I, I went to the third grade and I wasn't on third grade level. So I had to do the second grade two times. Well, in New York, that's called left back. I was left back too. They did, you know, I don't know how many times, but yes, I feel you. Okay, go so, ahead. But after that, I was like a good student. I remember in fourth grade, I had a teacher, Miss Osai, and she really was instrumental in helping me learn to read and no, get we, up to. I'm sorry, we just can't just, you just gonna just throw that. How did you get left back twice? No, I got left back once. I got held back. Held back once. So I did the second grade two times. Yeah. So what, how did you get held back the first time? I only got held back once. I think you're getting things confused because I keep saying I did the second grade twice. Yeah. I did it twice, too. So that means you just got held back once. I know why I got left back. Did you know why you got left back? Because I wasn't on second grade reading or third grade reading It was the reading comprehension? Yeah. I was acting up. No. And I wasn't doing my work. And I was also in special ed. They did everything. I mean, and fights and everything. So I had a lot of issues. Um, and no, I, we transferred from like public school to private school and at the private school, when I say we, me and my sisters, but I had a twin sister. So my twin sister and I weren't at the third grade reading level for the private school. So they made us do second grade at the private school. So the public school wasn't giving you adequate teaching? Not according, not adequate enough for the private school you, you went to. Was no. you embarrassed when you found out? or did Was you even aware at that time? No, I, I felt embarrassed, but I was just like, whatever. What did you mean, whatever? Like, you're second grade. What is that? How old is that? Was that seven? Yeah, I didn't have any control of the situation. Wait, so you was like the oldest one in your class? Yeah. Both of y'all got 
held back, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. But I remember the private school, we still weren't at third grade reading level going like into summer. So we had to go to summer school and the principal had to work with us. So they really dedicated to make sure that you were up to standards. Yeah. But then we went to, oh, maybe, yeah, that's when I went. So then after that, my mom took us out and put us back in private school. And that's when I had Miss Osai um, at, I don't remember what school it was. It was in Compton. Um, I had Miss Osai as my teacher. And she was instrumental to, like, helping me to get to where I needed to be as far as, as, far as reading and comprehension. So she spent time with you. Yeah, she was just, like, an amazing African-American um, she was married to this African. I remember, like, she had two daughters. I remember so much about her family. Mm-hmm. How many, describe the school for people who may not understand, like, what kind of demographic or location. Can you paint as a picture? Like, how, what kind of students were you? Um, like, when I got kicked out of uh, PS5, I was sent to PS25. And that was a predominantly black and Latino school. Well, it was, I would say mainly black. I don't, it was predominantly black. I wish, um, I don't remember the name of the school. Maybe it was a 96th Street school. I feel like that's wrong though. Wilson Riles, that was the name of it. Okay. Right, that used to be the name of it. That was like over 35 years ago. So I'm not really sure. Um, but I remember I did third grade with Miss Osai. <laughs> they had a music program. I tried to play the flute. My parents were very, very supportive. I wasn't very good. Um, I remember they, they would have like plays. Um, for So like drama for us. Um, and then I did third grade there. I remember we walked to the library. It seemed like once a week. But my teacher, I remember there was this boy in my class named John. And his grandparents had a farm in Compton. So we took up a, a field trip there Went and like the- looked at the chickens and all the little things. So she was just an amazing teacher. And then my fourth grade teacher was Miss Glover, who was also both, both black women, who was also very like passionate. Um, and about like, you know, making sure kids like learn. So Miss Osai um, was instrumental in kind of like um, reflecting my own light as far as like my capabilities where um, I think with my experience, I felt like incapable and she kind of was like, no, you can like do this. And she would, there'd be like, I would get a book a week and like read it. I got read it. I really became like once it like clicked, I really became very like interested and passionate about like, you know, just like reading mainly. (laughs) Well, well, one of the issues, especially in um, a lot of these schools is reading comprehension is is an issue. Literacy is an issue. Mm -hmm. I mean, across the United States. Uh, But you just highlighted some things that are kind of interesting. You had arts, music. Uh, plays. I mean, it was very cultured mm-hmm. for a private school. And the no, pub- that was a public school. Oh, let me shut up. All right, teach me what's going on with him. That wasn't the private school. The public schools where you got the teacher who was interested in Miss Osai. Oh, at the private school, my teacher was Miss Brown, and she was a mess. And so she, my parents were paying this money, 
and we still weren't where my twin sister and I still weren't where we need to, needed to be as far as our comprehension. So the principal had to spend the summer trying to teach us to read, and we it's my it still wasn't where we needed to be. So my mom put us back in public school. Wait, listen, you got there's a lot to unpack here. You got a story, and it's just wow. Okay, so the public school you was in was very cultured. The public school after the private school, yes. Oh, so you left the private school? Yes. Because it was because all the money that was going wasn't even helping. Mm-mm. So then we went back to public school. A different school. Yes. Okay. Wilson Riles Elementary in Compton. Okay, and that was where there was an interest in working with you, mm-hmm. and the public school's the one that got you up to. Yes. Okay. Now, now I'm caught up. So you went from a public to private to private, and the private was the one that caught the. That you wasn't up to standard. Uh huh. Put us back. Put and me then back. when you go back to public, now you go to a different public school, but that has all the elements like music, art, culture. Good, good um, teachers. Yeah. Those really good teachers there. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's impressive. That's you know, that's like different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so after that, I kind of was like was on honor roll and all the things, and school was just like I was like, oh, this isn't like. You say that, but it sounds like you had a twin sister who went the same path but didn't have the same experience. Yeah, that she wasn't on honor roll. No. But you were. Mm-hmm. So we can't say is. I guess it's something else that's happening. I don't know. Does that make sense? Well, no. Yeah, I'm not. I can't speak for like her experience. Um, ours were like very different. But y'all was exposed to the same resources. Yeah, but our challenges weren't the same. Okay, now that's where, okay. And, and that's important because a lot of times people try to treat everything like you just give everybody equal resources, but it's not the, it's not, that's not how it works. Because it makes sense that certain people might need more. Mm-hmm. Or different. Or di- I like that word, mm-hmm. different. Well, she's good, ladies and gentlemen. This is Maxine Hughes. And, and tell them what your practice is again, the name of your... Life and Sex Therapy Center... Yeah, we're going to go into it in a second because you, you, you have some interesting things to, to teach me about. And I was like, get out of here. And I met a person. Anyway, we're going to get to that in a minute. Okay. Okay, so you are a therapist and you work with people really from all walks of life. Sure. And you had an interest in life too. Yes. Now, I'm not sure how much you want to share here on this podcast, but you're a single mom. Um, You have an incredible, handsome young man and very intelligent. Uh, And I know you're giving him a different experience of how you grew up. So household-wise, I mean, let's talk about the household concept. I mean, now we're talking about academia and how that's one, I guess, challenge. The household was good, right? As far as the household we grew up in? I don't know. You tell me. Um, absolutely not. Um, there was a lot of challenges. You know, obviously, we grew up. I'm not, it's not even environmental. Like, I lived in Compton, but just a lot of challenges between, like, my parents. I have two sisters, a twin sister, an older sister. But just, like, my parents kind of um, not being... Uh, as focus um, 
regarding our experience as children, I think, um, just being kind of lost in their adult lives and the dramas that they were creating for themselves. They, well, they had their own issues. And us being um, subject or kind of unavoidable casualties to whatever was going on with them. Um, and I would say, like, my dad attempted in ways that were um, different from my mom, but it, de- it definitely was, um, a, you know, it would be challenging for any child. But your dad overall was a good dad. Uh, sure. Okay. All right. <laughs> but but he he tried to provide the best he could with the resources he had. So did my mom. Okay. It just looked very different than the decisions I would make as a parent. Mm, okay. All right. And the day... When everybody's trying to do the best they can um, in reference are filtering their own lens it can look very like different you know like but the best you can can still look like selfish to someone yeah I, yeah i mean i know but it's not like it's still the best that they could do with what they had at that time every ever is different and i guess as as we get older and I, I guess our generation evolves it's a lot of new things that we learn um you know i found it interesting um my father would be upset about things and it's funny because i don't get upset about the same things of course not and but it was a different era we're talking about 80s 90s and um i remember getting into a fight and i lost it at school and when he found out he beat me too he was like because you can't you can't put the family name into shame and it was like i lost it's like you lose all the time. There's no winning. Um, but his parenting style was old, traditional, masculine, machismo. You know? Yeah. Um, very old. And he, he loved us. He's just, he didn't know how to express love the best um, as as when he was growing up. But I found it interesting. When I got older, I, was, I made a mental note. I need to learn how to practice love. And not to do harm. Um, not that there was ever some intention. It's just a lot going on. And so, anyway, I said it to say there's a lot of drama mm-hmm. in the household. Um, and so, do you think growing up the way you grew up, you can you say that at any moment you could have strayed? Because talk. I mean, think about it. You you growing up in Compton. Then you in the IE in San Bernardino. Your peers are not doing. No, I don't. Um, no, I don't. Um, though my parents, like you know, every parent has like their challenges. Like doesn't matter. The challenges is like different. Um, strain as far as what like gangs or. Yeah, you got it. I mean, everything's out there. I mean, drugs. No, um, I was. Um, ironically, even with like the tension in the family and all these things, like I always tell my parents, I'm like, you know, it was like the, the fear of God was like in us. You know, I always think I'm like the Holy Spirit must have been like our third parent. Cause, um, 
I, me, like, going against my parents as far as, like, breaking rules. There's, like, minor rules I would break. Like, I would ditch, like, fourth period. Mm -hmm. But, like, me outright rebelling against them never crossed my mind. (laughs) Well, I mean, you was a rebel. I mean, if I'm correct, uh, you've been in the principal's office a few times. Yeah, but that's, like, normal teenage stuff. That's not normal. Everybody don't go to the principal's office. I've been in the principal's office for, like, ditching class. Okay. But that was it. I was, like, in ASB. Protecting your sister, fighting. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, that wasn't, like, my fight. I've never, (laughs) like, been in a fight of my own. That was, like, me, like, with my sister. Protected. Well, she was probably more protecting me, and I was just like, okay, okay, I have to, like, do something. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, no. um, No. So, me being in principal's office were, were just about, like, period absences my senior year. That was it. But, you know... Even in middle school, you was at, you you use a wildfire. No, I was in ASB in middle school. You know, Miss Forte would say something different. Miss Forte okay. probably <laughs> saw saw me as a fiery leader, but I wasn't. So she loves you. Uh, shout I was Miss Forte. Yeah, I was never like in trouble. And background story for those who don't: Miss Forte is a legend in the area. She was a principal for I don't know Alder Middle yeah, School for like thirty something years for middle school, high school. Um, for a long, she's a legend, and she's like one of those no nonsense, uh, talk to you straight, and uh, I mean real direct, um, very stern uh, principal. How how did I meet her? Is as soon as I finished grad school, my first teaching job, uh, I I go into this place, and they didn't they wasn't gonna hire me, and uh, I just walked in. I was like, "Are you the principal?" She's like, "Yeah." So yeah, um, I'm supposed to be here for an interview or something like that, and I haven't got a call. And she looked at me like, "Stay there, young man." Like she straight like I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and um, there was an issue going on. I don't know what was going on in school, but anyway, she said, "You know this. You know what kind of school this is, right?" I said, "I don't know what, what kind of this ain't for the weak hearted." I said, "Okay, I'm with that." And she's like, "Are you sure?" Because I looked it all preppy. You know how you go for. Mm-hmm. And she thought I was one of these, um, uh, what you call them, kind of uh, corny, you know, one of those, I don't know what you call them, but um, she didn't think I fit the bill for the job. She thought I was too clean. You had your Carlton Banks look going on? Yeah, yeah, I was definitely looking. You know, I, I don't try to scare these people when I go to interviews. So, and she's like, yeah, you know, this ain't for the weak hearted. You know, we need people, we're trying to hire people who can, who have a spine, who have leadership. And we're not afraid of these kids. We're tired of hiring people coming here who are afraid of these kids. It's like, I'm not afraid of nobody besides God, you know? And she's like, what? She's like, where are you from? I said, I'm from New York. I'm from the Bronx. I'm from the projects. So you're from the projects. And then we had this conversation. But anyway, um, she hired me based on the fact that here's a black man who graduated from grad school who wants to teach in this wild. And this, so, this school is where most kids get kicked out of all the other schools, and this is like the last spot. So just to give you some context, very few kids go there intentionally because you get credits and you can advance. Um, but anyway, she hired me, and um, and she she mentioned her teaching years, and she always goes to the story about <laughs> this, these, these twins like y'all famous anyway i just want to say she, and she's 
she was so sincere. She's like, yeah, I had these twins, troublemakers, but I love them. <laughs> and she was like, she just, you know. So anyway, I was like, I know the twins. I, I know them. She thought I was lying. But anyway, when she realized that it was true, she was like, she just lost it. And um, she loves y'all very much. And she talks about y'all all the time. Like, y'all. So the her. crazy story about that is, um, you know, I, there was like a fight, a really big fight. Um, I was like, my twin sister and I are very like stark contrast. In my experience, I was more of like the nerdy introvert. Marion was more of like the popular pop off. Um, and she got in this like really bad fight where she, there was like, you know, it, it was just this huge fight. Um, and, you know, I was, I was at the time where she was getting into this like fight. Um, I was auditioning for the school play as, <laughs> um, Eveline for, uh, for the Wiz. Oh, the Wiz. Yeah. Oh, I was wow. like actually auditioning. And Miss Forte was there. And so I think when you have a twin sister and um, you got things just like bleed together where it's just, you know, um, whatever she was a part of. Not that because she's like came to my defense more times than not, but she's definitely like the protector. And I was the one that was just kind of like, um, you know, you, 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 to me, you probably be an instigator too. Um, yeah, that's when you see that pause, ladies and gentlemen. That's an instigator in the background because you ain't I don't no, know if I you was ain't a pushover. You ain't a pushover. Not, not, not even by a long well, shot. Well, no. Let's just say by the time we got to high school, I was more of like uh, willing. But in um, junior high, I was like a total, total nerd. Like we, we would get off the bus. Mary would go her way. I would go my way. You know what? When I interview Miss Forte, it's going to be a different story. Okay. But it's okay. We're, we're going to let you ride on that one. So, because okay. um, you're mischievous. I mean, a lot of young folks are that, you know, who are very smart are. Am I right? I feel like that's a generalization. No. Everybody's different. Nah, you're mischievous. I, I think. I don't, I'm grown. I don't got to be mischievous. <laughs> I'm talking about middle school and high school. I don't feel like I was mischievous. You wasn't? No. You I didn't. Don't. You didn't do things behind your parents back of who doesn't do okay that's you see what i'm saying back. so she thinks it's a natural thing um everybody ain't mischievous anybody ain't just i'm gonna just try this thing and, and give my parents a heart attack oh um, there was nothing that, that was giving my parents <laughs> a heart attack so okay i say this to say is that i think people who are in who have interesting backgrounds and, and personal experience when they go into this profession they are good at their, they're good at what they do. If you don't have real life experience and it's just all book stuff, when you walk into the profession, you lack a lot of tools and kits. Would you agree? Um, yes, but in a different way than what you're you're saying. I think that, um, you know, it's it's the same way I feel about like people like Oprah, Oprah Winfrey and the same thing I tell like my clients who've experienced like a lot of trauma. Um, I think like grace, when I would say like the grace of God is what's using things in your experience in, in your life to work out for your benefit. And I think like 
when you've been through things, you under it gives you a greater depth of understanding and ability to be compassionate, especially when you're like honest with yourself about them. And it's the ability to reach like more people or play it for if that is the road that like you choose. You know, it's like it adds more uh more like facets of color to your like spectrum. I mean, yeah. I, I just I just feel like I know when I started teaching, uh one of the first things um I told my students is it'll be impossible to cheat around me because when I was young, I tried all of it. So I can see it a mile away, you know. And they were looking at me like, really? And I was like, yeah, if, if, don't even waste your time because you're going to get caught. Um, and I probably wrote the book on a lot of, the, you know, everything from signing your parents' signature because I used to ditch a lot too. I don't know how it is in Cali, but in New York, there's a truancy van that looks like a police van that come looking for you. And when they get you, it's like a movie. They, they take you into some downstairs dungeon and it looked crazy. And um, they give you a card that's that, you know, back in the day, they mailed a card to your house saying that you um, missed. And I used to run to the house to catch the postman before. And I'm in the projects, 21 stories. We lived on the 13th floor at the time. And so I used to run to the house to get that card. Like, oh, I got it. And I used to just. But anyway, my father wanted they wanted making copies of the card. I remember one year my father gave he was like 100 cards and he showed it to me i was like oh snap he knows yeah i'm a high school dropout but you know i fixed that later on in life but anyway um you being that you went from public to private back to public you seem to find or people seem to find a liking to you and work with you and do you, would you say that's a big difference in your academic performance of course. I think whenever you, um, like whenever someone is reflecting to you something you don't see in yourself, it's like a new discovery. And and that makes a big difference. 100%. Would you say that helped you with your career now? Some of those tools like linger with you? Mm, I, I, I guess I would, yeah. Obviously, it it had to be like a little, you know, you start with building like pebbles (laughs) and then you go to like bricks. And before you know it, you not before you know it, but years later, you have like a house with a gate and all these like things. So definitely. But I feel like more it was not really. I mean, maybe because like when I was in high school, like I didn't really have any plan. Like when I graduated high school, like I there was like no plan. There was no like I was like, I'm just going to like hang out with my parents. I didn't have a driver's license. So well, hey, New Yorkers don't may not understand that. Uh, I didn't get a license that I was like, well, California, you get a driver's license at 16. <laughs> I didn't have a driver's license. My dad was like, you need to get a job because I'm not giving you money to go hang out with your friends and go to the movies. And he was, like, driving me to and from work. And I was, like, 18 or 19 years old. Like, not with, like, working at the mall. And just completely. That's your first job? Yeah. Just, like, and I only got a job because my dad was, like, this is the last time I'm giving you money. You need to get a job. 
And so um, I think what was more instrumental for me is um, I start dating this person and um, his mom was just like, why don't you go to school? Why don't you have a license? And I was like, I don't know. I, what do I need a car for? My parents take me to work. And she's just like, no, like, you should get a car. You should, like, I'm going to drive you so you can, like, um, fill out your application so when you get a car, you'll be, like, already in the system. And I think that she was very, like, pivotal in me just being, like. Independent. Independent and just, like, another option. You know, Okay. Now, because you're hint, you're hitting on something that's kind of, yeah. So let's just go with it. I, I find it a lot of times most of us are not successful because the people in our immediate circle may not have the skill sets or the tools to get us to the next level. And I, I'm not going to, I wouldn't say that. Like my dad, because um, it's going to come full circle. My dad always was an entrepreneur and a business owner and like supported our family. A very like older model in that like my mom, she, my dad had a career entrepreneur, like had his own business. And my mom just like would work or not work or, or like very, that setup was like there. They just didn't go like my dad's a photographer he took classes at community college to like you know kind of spark his interest and then went off to like start his own business start his own business immediately um so for them not school wasn't like wasn't a part of like their back then it wasn't even important yeah for me college was something i needed to like find what it was that i was aligned for me for sure you heard all the <laughs> interests I had but um the the young man that I was dating at the time his let's give him a name let's give him a name that could you don't have to use his real name just give him a name Charles she's like <laughs> I don't want to put in you know because he's he's gonna be important part of your your transition it sounds like because he comes up um he, I, I will just say that I mean, he's an educator now. It's not even a big deal. His name is James oh, Sauer. Okay. He is a wonderful person. Um, he's an educator in um, San Bernardino, and we dated for a very long time. And his mother um, was very instrumental in kind of just like showing me a, a path as far as like the value of education. Yeah, I didn't just date. Y'all were married. We did get married. Yeah. Yeah, eventually we got married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was like that's pivotal. That's because that's right high school, right? No, like that I was like twenty. No, I, I I was done with. That's what we. I'm asking the question. We, um, we, no, I was done with. Uh, you transitioned already. No, at that that happened when I graduated the year I graduated undergrad. We're married. Oh, wow. We're married. Yeah. So what, I was like are? 25. Yeah. 20, 26, maybe. Oh, so y'all met in college. We met at in high school. Oh, we went to high school together. So y'all were in high school? We were not high school sweethearts. We were just friends. You clarify that so quick. That was just... Okay. We were friends. We were friends. Like, he, I was, I was very, um, like, 
not a nice person in high school. So. Okay, so now you see Lady <laughs> Jenny. See how it just comes out naturally? It just comes out. No. Yeah, okay. As in, um, like, he was very popular. I was, wasn't, was, was resentful for why. I wasn't a peer counselor in um, high school, but he was just like, you know, a like acquaintance friend in high school. And we became really, really good friends after high school. Okay. All right. We're going to come. We're going to visit that. You know that one right there is a touchy one, but we want to visit one. You know, sprinkle a little bit of that. It's not touchy; it's ancient history. <laughs> you know when they say that, we're gonna find out in a minute. Okay, so let's do it. And I only bring that other stuff up because my parents, you know, as much as they could um, try to support, they never went to college. Mm-hmm. My dad he stopped in ninth grade. My mom stopped going to school after six. There's nothing they can do to help me to get to college, other than good luck. And you figure it out. Yeah. Because they couldn't fill out the paperwork. They wouldn't know the rules. So it's crazy because even, you know, Pete Kalki, who was another um, uh, uh, a father figure in my life as well. Uh, he was like, just he just dropped me off at college. And I was like, I was just looking for girls. Like, I'll just be honest. And then when I found there was financial aid, I was like, oh, you get paid? And for those who don't know, community college actually pays you. There's people who actually don't know that. That college actually, you can get paid to go to college. It's probably you can probably make more money going to college than working at FedEx. Stop. All right. Well, for the two hours a day that they're yeah, because you did, you know, like I had stu- UPS. I met you know because oh. I had students who who talk about the jobs they're in. Anyway, we're not even gonna do that right now. But so what wound up happening was every time I got exposed, there was a lot of things that were missing, like. You need to go to class because they, you know, and then a certain class you take can transition into, mm-hmm. and it's how financial. So it was so a lot. I had all of that with um, James's mom. She okay. just like facilitated the process, walked me through it. She registered my classes. She would just be like, "Need to talk to your advisor." Blah blah blah. Like, like you had an advocate. Yeah, she was amazing. She was like, I would not be where I am today okay, without there her. We go. One hundred percent. Now we there we go. It's coming, ladies and gentlemen. You see, it's coming. It's coming out. All right. One hundred percent. Okay. So and and so it, it it's truth. Then, if you don't have the right people at the right time, because maybe you're not ready yet. Sometimes people are not ready to transition. Mm-hmm. But if you're willing to listen and transition with the right person, you can actually excel. It's so amazing because I'm just like when I look back at my life, I'm just like it was it it. God like set it up so um what's the word so uh like so perfect and it's like very personalized for like exactly what the language that I can receive things in you know what I mean because I was fearful I didn't know I'm like working I'm like very just like eh, mm. and she was just so like you should just do this just for when you're ready. Whenever you're ready, it's fine. I'm going to come pick you up. We're just going to do X, Y, and Z. And when you're ready, it's going to be okay. Just like no pressure. No, like, it's like everything was so, um, it's like when you go and you get something, uh, like a seamstress, they make, they suit the, are they, they make a suit for you and they make it to fit specialized exactly for you. When Mm -hmm. I look at things in hindsight, I'm just like, it was like catered, perfect, intentional in ways that I can like 
receive it very like small bites at first and it just like took off into the stratosphere it's yeah, amazing you're doing amazing things and <laughs> i know folks who may not understand there's a difference so when you get your um your license to practice um as a therapist there's people who automatically just starts to you know you start to work for an entity or a machine or institution and you did that for I did. For, for a while and there's very few people who say, you know what, I can do this myself. I can go right to becoming independent. Um, and I'm going to talk about that because I, I talk to my students all the time. Like, you know, I was at a I was at a speaking engagement. And I was like, you know, there's a, a lot of ways you can make $100 an hour. And a faculty was like, no, you can't. I was like, what in the world? And it was just obviously at a high school. And they thought I was crazy. Like I was making it up and it was the fact that I'm talking to students and you're saying that out loud that you can't see yourself doing that. So me saying that you're already saying, no, that's not possible. And that already tells me how you feel, about, not just about yourself, but if you can't do it, you already, I already know you, how you're talking to your students. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, man, there's a lot of ways to make a hundred dollars. I, I work with interns, which are people who have, are working towards their licensure hours. And I'm just like, um, you sign their hours, by the way, people. To, I who are supervise them. Yeah, she's yeah. a supervisor. I'm a supervisor. Yeah. And I'm just always like boundaries around finances, even as an intern, like, you know, like I always break it down. Like if you take a client for, I don't know, $60 a session, I was like, it's costing you money. Wow. The 60, and the session is usually an hour or 30 minutes? An hour. An hour. So if you take $60 from a client, that's you're losing money. Yeah, you are. You're, and they have like their slide... You know, and it just depends. Like for me, I am, um, I have a private practice. I run a private practice. Um, Let's just go right into it. Tell because my students are, my students, friends, family, people who are listening to the podcast and are curious. They're, when I'm in, wherever I'm at and I bring up, you can do dope things as a therapist, you know, they think I'm crazy. They think I'm making it up. So I need you to say, if you can, all the dope things you can do as a therapist. Yeah, you, but just go ahead and just share like what is the minimum, average, and max that a person can make. You know, you can you can talk about your personal experience. when when you saw some real money coming in. What's the jump? Because you know how it is like when you start working with somebody and then you start working for yourself. What's the like the? Okay, um, when I I can talk. I can just. Okay. okay. Um, when I, the last job I had, um, I think I was making $65,000 a year. I was a new mom. They don't know that. You got to break it down by hours. They don't understand what that means. Um, so how much was $65,000 a year is what you're saying per hour? hour? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let's see. Because I literally be talking. They was like, oh, wow, okay. But when you break it down by hours, because people, you know, they get a check by hour. People not sal- you know, not too many people's salary. Thirty-two fifty. So he's making thirty-two dollars and fifty cents an hour. Was my last job. Thirty-two. So thirty. Oh, what? This is important, ladies and gentlemen. She was making thirty-two dollars and fifty cents. She just said, if you have your own business and you take sixty dollars, you losing money. All right. 
dropped a domino. So I was making thirty two fifty an hour. I left that job and I started independent contracting, which is like as opposed to being an employee, I was an independent contractor mm-hmm. um, for different agencies, um, meaning I was like my own. Like I don't work for them; I work for myself yeah, yeah. and contract you myself started doing out. Indie. Right, um, for a hundred dollars an hour. An hour. Um, okay, wait, wait. Thirty-two. Now we're going to a hundred. All right, go get them. So for a hundred dollars an hour for group and for individual sessions, it was eighty dollars. Okay. Or mm, it was eighty-five dollars. Eighty-five dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I did that for maybe like two years or so, year and a half. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to open a private practice. So in private practice, you get to be, you get to set your own fees, basically. So um, I think I start, you get to say if you want a sliding scale. Um, Explain that for the audience. A sliding scale is for, um, like, if it's like you may have your fee set at 150 but depending on someone's income, you take that into consideration and you can slide your fee down to, you know, 130 or 120 or $100 based. You're taking into consideration what someone makes um, when you set their fee. Okay. Um, but you get to decide how what percentage of your caseload you want to offer sliding fee to or if you're going to have a sliding fee or what you want your fee to like be. And so I'll just tell you the going rate in Los Angeles <laughs> um, for couples therapy is $250 $250 a Ladies, session. Hold on, slow it down. I got to hear this. $250 an hour per session. That's right. Two hours is 500 Get it right. Let's do it again. For a licensed marriage and family therapist um, are also a LCSW, which is a licensed clinical social worker. Um, we both do the same job. Um, so it's 250 and then for individual is 175 150 an okay. hour. All right. We're going to come back. We're going to come back to that number. Listen, she just said $32 an hour and she jumped to 100 Then when she opened up her own practice, we're looking at 250 Let's stop. Get your life right. Get your, get your mind right. Because you can do this. And, and she even, was at San Bernardino Valley College. Am I right? Yeah. And even for some therapists decide to go on insurance panels, which, again, is costing you money, but some people do it. What is that? Um, insurance panels is where you take insurance clients and the insurance company pays you. And some insurance company reimburse like $70. Some reimburse $90. Um, there are a couple that will reimburse you like $140. $140. But that's still like on the lower end with insurance reimbursements. It's like sixty to like one hundred and forty dollars that you're getting reimbursed per session. Mm. You know what? Let's just do this other part because I think the other question is because I'm gonna ask. But is it let hard? me let me tell you all the dope shit you can do as all a therapist. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. Okay, so you can supervise as a clinical supervisor. Okay, sir, you can bring on your own interns. 
where you supervise them and you sign up for their hours, but they're now your employees. And when you say interns, you mean people who are... Associates, people who haven't gotten their hours, but they have to work under a supervisor to get their hours. So as opposed to a person going to work for like a DMH agency, if they want to go into private practice, they can go work, like they can come work for myself. They have to be in grad school, am I right? They have to be graduated from grad school already. Oh, so because so, when you said associates, I know some people get an associate degree thinking, oh, I can do it. No, no, no. It's um, master's associate. When you, it used to be called an LMF, LMFTI, a licensed marriage and family therapist intern, but that changed to a licensed marriage and family associate. So it's okay. an, um, it's you're not status. licensed, but yeah. you're just an associate. Okay. Um, you can come, I can supervise you. And um, I'm like your supervisor. I have to sign up for your hours. Yeah. I work with you with your caseload, like a mentor. Um, and that's and that's that's state recognized. Those signatures. You need them to get your hours. Yeah. So people do, don't just think you're just gonna sign hours. You are really that's a state. They're working under your license. Yeah. So essentially, they're making money under your license. You're. You're, I'm paying them out for the services that they do under my license like an employee. Um, I always get contacted for like podcasts. Um, Shout out to College Career and Beyond. You're here now. <laughs> um, certain like magazines have contacted me for interviews. Um, brands as a sex therapist want to contact you to kind of like promote their like business in your therapy or with clients. Um you get to go on awesome, um, like there's CEUs, so continuing education units that you have to do to, um, that's a requirement for your licensure. So they have like cool things you have to like pay to go to, but it requires you to um, stay up on your education for continuing education. Um, You can write blogs, you can start your own podcast, you can like write books. you can like on social media platforms like Clubhouse is like one of them. You can like moderate groups and people like automatically see you as someone who is um, uh, someone to look to like in your industry. Yeah, credible, yeah. Credible for your industry. So, you know, I've gotten like contacted to go on like TV shows and different like things. So there's tons of amazing shit that you can do as like a therapist. You hear what's going on? Pay attention. <laughs> but the other thing is, um, people may think that it's easy for you to say that, and and I've realized that and doing platforms when I do public speakings and when I'm touring, you know, touring and doing all that kind of stuff, depending on the neighborhood I'm in, it's like, well, that's for you. You know, they don't see themselves in that position. And so I think uh, having people like yourself um, on this podcast and people listening to your story is is vital um, because they need to feel like, okay, I can probably do that. Because when you say $32 an hour, I already know there's an audience who are listening saying that's a lot of money. They don't know that that's not, you know, you know. Um, I I, want to say this. Me and my business partner, we talk about this, like, all the time. Um, I was a single mom making $32 an hour 
like making it like work and in full like gratitude, you know, and as my garden blossomed and opportunities like bloomed for me and I grew into like the awareness and understanding, um, you know, the understanding what it was exactly that I was working with because I didn't know the power that I like had. You know, it takes a while to kind of like get it. And even like I go to therapy every week and my therapist is like, you're an amazing therapist. You need to increase your prices now. You know, like having those people around you again to reflect and help you to um, go and grow into your kingdom or queendom, essentially, um, which is what I want to give back to like the interns that I like supervise is like. You know, I had a client, I had an intern that was like, oh, you know, this client couldn't, couldn't afford. So I was, I charged him like $10 and I was like, $10, like, like there's boundaries. So, you know, there's clinical implications with that, like as well that we like went into. But what I want to say is that, um, you know, I look and I marvel at my life every single day, especially like in a pandemic. And oh, wow. Oh, we're going to get to that because you're not even in the office. You at home. I am at home still paying for my office (laughs) that I haven't seen or been to since like March. It's a beautiful office in Beverly Hills, by the way. Yeah, I haven't been there, but um, like I marvel at like my life and I marvel and I like go back and I like take my walk down memory lane and it's like crazy. Um, I I'm I don't look down on making like all the things that I've got has sustained me and make me grateful for what I have like now. It's just understanding that, um, you know, there is there like you said you can make a hundred there's a lot of ways to make a hundred dollars you know i think when you figure when once the door opens up you start to look back like i can't believe i didn't know this you know like i say because i remember my i remember making my first 30 dollars an hour and i thought i was doing something and then someone pulled me to the side like you ain't you ain't doing it bro and i was like what and no. then when they broke it down, I was like, nobody told me I could do that. And it's the sad thing is what we lack in our community is actually information. I remember there was a supervisor. My first supervisor I had was this amazing Jewish man, Dr. Stephen Winston, who I like love and adore. And I remember these are the kind of conversations he would have with us as like when I was an intern, he would just be like, there is no reason why you should not be making six figures or halfway, like six figures. There's no, this was at the job that I was making, like, because a $65,000 job. When I finally decided, okay, so I'm just going to rewind it back a little bit. Um, I went through grad school. I was working as an administrator in education. What kind of degree you got in grad school? So people know what kind of degree you have to uh, be, I'm sorry. Um, clinic, uh, what it, clinical psychology, a master's in clinical psychology, marriage and family therapy. That's two? No, that was just like the what? one. It was one degree. Clinical psychology with a special, specialization in marriage and family therapy. But the whole time I was in grad school, I was working in higher ed um, as a... Secretary, right? Director of admissions. Okay. 
for school. The college? Um, assistant director, then director of admissions. And I was making $80,000 a year. And I was so like, I want to be a therapist. I think the first job I got as a therapist, I went to making $54,000. Like I took a huge pay cut. Which is kind of like 20 something dollars an hour or 30, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, it's like 20 something. Yeah. It's about $20. Yeah. Yeah. And so by the time I got licensed, (laughs) which was like three years. So I went from like 54 and like inch my way up to like 65 in like three years. Then I got licensed. That's humbling. And then. Because what she's talking about right now is beautiful because what she's laying out is, look, she was at a job making $80,000 a year. And that's equivalent to like um, at least $40-something an hour. And, um, you know, cops make that kind of money, you know. And, you know, that's a career, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a difference between a job and a career. I think a, a lot of folks that are in our community teach us how to get a job but not a career. It was thirty eight forty six per hour. So you was making thirty eight dollars. Thirty eight forty six per hour is eighty thousand a year. Okay. Right. Um, and then I went to making from thirty eight um, per year. Or how, how did that much did I say it was an hour? Thirty eight an yeah. hour. This is to twenty five dollars. So she went from forty dollars to twenty five dollars. Wow, because you believe that this, you wanted to pursue your passion. Yeah. So at that point, it, it wasn't, wasn't about, about money. money. It was about the passion. No. You had that itch. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I need to do this because it's what I want to do in my life. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing. And I think everybody should hear that. A lot of times taking the cut, the pay cut is more important because the experience and the, and the trajectory and the journey is more powerful in the end. Yeah. I was like, I remember they offered me the job. They were like, we can't match our pay. We're going to have to cut it. I was like, I've never been happier to take a pay cut before. <laughs> wow. Wow. Because you're, you're, at that point, your happiness was more important. And, okay. I just was, I, I graduated grad school, and I was like, I want, this is what I want to do. I don't care about, it wouldn't matter if they were paying me $150,000 a year as an administrator for education or assistant director. Like, that was not, I did not want to do that. Right. Like. And some people just, if, you, if that's your passion, then you stick with it. But if, if some, you're set, if it was your, if it was my passion, I wouldn't have been going to school to be a therapist. Right. right. I would have just went to school to, for higher, a master's in higher ed and continued that letter. Like, I just wanted to start my life as a therapist. If someone's in a community college, what degree should they have to transfer over to a four-year to do what you're doing? Um, I guess the best thing I can say would be like a, there's also a big difference between a psychology degree and a clinical psych. Explain that. Psychology degrees typically like studying of the mind and the brain and clinical psych is like... Um, as a clinician using psychology. So I think depending on the master's program that you want to go to, it doesn't really matter. You can have someone who goes to school for like English and still decide they want to do clinical psychology and they just have to go back and take prereqs. How, how, how many, how long is the prereqs uh, process? Is it a year or a year and a half? It was, it was three classes for me. 
three classes for prereqs? Well, I had a degree in um, sociology. So I just had to go back and take abnormal psychology um, some and two other psychology classes. So and it, then so I like w- eight classes total, maybe? No, eight. it's just three. Not, not, not for you, I'm saying, but somebody with the English or oh. nursing or... Yeah, it might be a lot more. Like eight, probably nine classes. I have no clue, but if you're coming from an English background, you probably have like, I would say maybe like four. No, maybe six. About six. It's about a year. Yeah, because they had prereqs, and some of them I had already did, so I only need to do like three for the school I went to, which was Azusa Pacific University. Shout out to APU. APU. Uh, So, okay. And the only reason I bring that up because... um, I think what I would tell your listeners is if there's any inkling that they have for what they want to do for a graduate degree is just to like start just like look up, look up what are the classes to be in a pre contemplative state. It's okay to like contemplate. You're not like signing a contract. So, you know, if you're just to be contemplating what it is that they may need so they can set themselves up. Yeah, well, she's basically saying you need to do some research. Mm-hmm. And, and and also, um, I mean, the other thing is, you know, the school's more expensive now. And the systems, it's more expensive to live now than than, than back then. Um, <laughs> back then? No, yeah. just joking. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is. Because 10 years ago, gas was like two bucks you know now it's like three fifty four dollars you know mm-hmm. and that's the new norm um you know peanut butter is you know it's four dollars peanut butter you know it's real it's real out here in the field <laughs> um and i know you know i bring that up because um i don't know if people have the luxury to not take it serious back then the cost of living was low so you can just mess around and you know, take your time, and drag your feet. But with education going up in the last several years, um, actually seven years, um, education's gone up eight hundred, nine hundred percent. You know, I mean, classes at CSU are ranging anywhere from a thousand to three thousand dollars for a class. You know, and it's just I find it just it's ludicrous. Everything is getting more expensive, but pay raises are not going up. So mm-hmm. when, when, when I'm having this conversation. It really becomes like a, um, a luxury. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Or a pri- like a privilege. It, it is. It is it was a, a thousand percent a privilege. You know, and as you're talking, you're single moms. You did this. So. Yes, I did it all on my own. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Everything, every class, every... I always work. The other part is I always work full-time while I went to school. So you was full-time mom. No. Well, no, no you wouldn't... Before you had, you had to... Kiss. I just... You were I, full-time... Uh, you was a full-time uh, worker. And a full-time student. And a full-time student. Oh, my God. My... Let I I want to clear up. My son is six. I I was already in my career yeah, when yeah, I had yeah, him. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's so, right. Um, but the whole time I went to school, I worked full time and I went to school full time. So a lot of this was me like waking up at five o'clock in the morning for classes at Valley College to like our five o'clock in the morning. I don't think I had classes at five. Maybe it was like at seven. So I had to get up at like six. Mm-hmm. Going to school on Saturday when I was in grad school. 
I work from 5 a.m. to 1. And then I had a practicum from 1.30 to like 4.45. Then I would walk across the street and I had class from 5 to 10. Wow. That's, you, you would like, how many hours is that? That was maybe three days a week. Oh, my God. Or, and then it's an the, hour day. the other days out of the week, or maybe it was, I had three classes, so. It was, maybe it was four, two days a week. I don't know. Um, Two or three days a week. And then the other days I would work. Every day I went to my internship. So it was five o'clock a.m. to one. And then from one thirty to like five. That's crazy. So when I was in grad school, I'm going to say like my last year, um, I would start my days at 4 a.m. <laughs> and I, on an early day, I would get off at or be home by 6. On a late day, I would be home by 1030 wow. when I had class. And I studied Saturday and Sunday. From I would get to the coffee shop at Victoria Gardens. Shout out to Borders. Victoria Garden. They're not there no more, but Borders was a joke. Yeah, and yes. um, Corner Street Bakery, that was across the street. I would get there at 8 a.m. when they open, and I would probably leave by like 7 p.m. Wow. Yeah. That's- I think about that, and I'm just like, so that's like the funny thing, because I was telling like my, um, my sister, and I was talking to my business partner. I was like, it's so crazy, because I know we're in a pandemic, but everything just feels so like easy. It's like kind of weird. Like, I mean, it's, like, hard, but I'm just, like, the hardest part, just, like, being at home every day, like, sitting in my living room, seeing clients. And I forget about, like, how many five-hour energy drinks I was, like, surviving off of. Yeah. And, you know, like, when I was behind on my paperwork, 92, 92 notes, and I would go in on a Saturday and sit in my office and just be there, like, I, like, forget about all that. And then when I think about that, I'm like, no, I like earn all of this security. Yeah, folks who not, you know, this pandemic, there's there's careers that are pandemic proof. That's what they call them, which means that you're going to be okay. And then there's careers that are no longer going to exist because of the way the situation is. Um, And, you know. We're in a space right now where people are reinventing themselves and trying to figure out what is it, how do I survive? I know there's parents right now who are making fifteen dollars an hour, got three, four kids, and you know the crazy situation is wild. And what I would say is this: those jobs are important as you move further into your profession or your future career because they create character in you. You know, the job I, I was when I was doing eleven dollars an hour, the things I was doing at eleven dollars an hour was I was working like. Well, I think like I've had that I've, I that I didn't go to school for two years after I graduated high school, but it took me working at the mall and working at Maiden Form and then working at this other like American Express call center where the um the bosses treated us like horrible. It took me having those experiences for me to be like, 
okay, this is what I don't want to do. There you go. Yeah, so that was one of the motivators, right? Yeah, this is, I remember there was this, I always think about this man who, um, he had a family and he, he had three kids and a wife and they shared a car. And I remember, you know, I'm just like graduating high school. Um, and I was just working at the mall and I had a job at a call center, like I said, and he like drove up. I work at the mall in the evening and I'll go to the call center like in the morning and he like came and his wife like got out of the passenger seat and she had her pajamas on. And I was just like, why is she like, this is like, why is she getting out the car? This is weird. And it like dawned on me that they only had like one car Wow. and they had like three kids. Wow. And I was, and in that moment I was like, he was probably like mid thirties and I'm like 18, 19. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we make the same amount of money. And he has like a family. And I was just like, I remember I was like, I have to go to school. So that was your motivator right there. Yeah. I like, it was like I saw. For grad school. Like, no, that was before college. Oh my God. That's right. Cause you were 18. Yeah. That's what I was like. I have to, like, I got to figure something else out. Cause just like working's not, may not cut it. Cause I've, I have someone who's just been like mm-hmm. working. You cut it. Yeah. And so, you know, one for me is a, um, I was at Walmart and it was like Christmas week. And um, this dad had his son, his son had to have been three years old, something like that, or four. And um, they were Spanish, um, Latino. I, I want to say maybe Mexican, but I don't know. Every Latino is not Mexican, so let's just clear that. But he was Latino. And they were like, the dad, he must have been 30 years old and the son oh he must have been 20 the dad was like 25 or something like that and his son was three or four and you know how you walk into a store and, and your kids like to pick up stuff they just like yes <laughs> she's like yes <laughs> they just like grab stuff and he grabbed his toy and i remember walking in, i was like oh that's kind of cool and then we went shopping went out with my you know and then when it came to the register we were leaving at the same time and the dad was at about to you know check out and the son had the same toy i'm like oh that boy consistent right and the boy spoke to his dad in spanish because he didn't really speak english and asked the dad hey can we buy this the thing was probably five bucks i'll be lying if i said it was seven bucks but it was like a five dollar it was like the dad looked around and i pretended because he didn't know i spoke spanish when people a lot of people don't know i speak spanish but when he looked back to see if anybody was listening, I just turned my head like, you know, like, and the dad turned to his son. was like, we can't afford that. That's too much money. And the kid, he's so broken. I was like, that's his first time realizing that they, something's different. Why is it that my dad can't afford this? And the man is not a horrible man. I could tell he's sincere and loves his son. But I can tell the dad telling his son that he was broken. And the son was coming to this realization like we can't afford this what does that mean mm-hmm. and i told myself oh hell no i don't want to ever be in that situation where i can't or oh, i can't afford this and it's embarrassing because the line you know it's like people and it's and it's i don't know for me that was like yo i'm going to school 
<laughs> yeah. Um, it's a whole, yeah. I mean, that was, I, re- I remember that being like a defining moment. He has like three yours. kids and a wife, and he's getting off this car, making the same, going to the same job you're going to, and y'all making the same. Mm-hmm. And that I remember that like sticking to me. Like I remember, I remember the day. I remember everything. You was traumatized by that. I, I'm not gonna say I was traumatized. I was traumatized by the dad because it hurt me. Um, I I just I remember that, and so th- there is something else for any of your listeners that are just like, okay, there's this feeling. I do remember working, and just being like, another motivator is I was just like, I don't want to be replaceable like I don't want to be like like where my place is is a place where like you can't just bring someone else off the street to replace me. No, you're the boss. You run that. That's your show. Yeah. That's your, that's not, that's your, that's your channel. And even in like, cause I do like consulting and things like Mm -hmm. that. It's like, I'm not like people pay me because like I help them. Um, I help them organize their, their treatment center or I help them give instruction to like their therapist but because what I have to give is not something you can get anywhere else and I'm not like replaceable. And even as an independent contractor, that was like the gray area kind of entering or like experimenting in that realm because I was just like, you know, I remember I was just like, this is my price and you're going to pay me or I'm not doing it. And they were I had just, to set boundaries. And they were like, you know, it's it's so like multi layered like therapy, but um, they're like you're such you're so great at your documentation. You are great at like meeting medical necessity and being able to paint like to be able to um, paint like a clinical picture of like a client and what like therapy looks like. You know, like being able to type that out and present it to an insurance company, and they're like, okay, we're gonna here's some money. You know what I mean? You know. And so like it's it's like the thing it's adding value to value and confidence to who you are. And, but I remember in that before, like in the area where I'm like seeing these people and working these jobs, I was like, my, where I belong is in a space where I'm not replaceable. And, and so this is the key part that, so when we talk about this portion, it's not that making $11 an hour is a problem. It's that when you're making eleven dollars an hour, the people treat you like you're not valuable. They teach you like crap. When you have these jobs, not careers, jobs, the way people talk to you, the way people address you, the, the level of disrespect, the level of sexism, racism, the the isms are off the chain. Which you still get in these other spaces, but yes. But you're the boss. Yeah. The difference is you can tolerate it and you can set your own schedule. Or you can just sue them. Oh, you can. There you go. Take care of that, right? <laughs> As we say that, go take care of that. Um, or you can get a lawyer and sue, sue them. Yeah. I, that. Facts. And so, and that's a, so, you know, and so when I'm talking to, um, and I know it's, it's, I just had this talk with my class and the student was talking about being a CNA. Like that was the, the highest because her family, you know, that's success for her. That was success. And I said, all the work you're going to do for doing being a CNA, you might as well just go ahead and be an RN. 
because CNA, you're going to get dogged out. You're going to get the, the whole level of disrespect. At least going to, as an RN, you have some type of leeway. You know, you know what I'm saying? And they was like, no, that's just too hard. So then I, I feel like there's something that happens to people and it's oppressive where people feel like they can't live their full potential. They can't live their full life. And I don't, I, I understand that, but they're, they're, I'm going to offer something. I don't know. I don't know. I think there's something that separate lions from lambs. And that's what you're trying to convert more lambs into a lion mentality. And a lot of times people are like, well, like, I don't, I just know for me, there was no other option. You, there's a choice. Like when people are like, well, like I remember I got accepted law school and I got accepted to be like a to a therapist yeah, or yeah, clinical yeah. psychology program. And I was like, what do I do? And I was just like, I'm more interested in being a therapist than being a divorce attorney. Because <laughs> that's what I wanted you, to do. You know what's crazy? So Mia hates the story, but it's true. So shout out to Lincoln University. So it's a law school. When I was in grad school, I was thinking about being a lawyer. I reached out to the law school. They reached back. Not only did they help me with the paperwork process, I also sat in classes. So I was on my way for law school. I, I was in law, I was in law school. And it was just finalizing a couple of paperwork. And um, they, they it was a dope program. And I think one of my cousins or some somebody had an issue with paperwork, like uh, custody. And I remember going to the courthouse and the lady at the courthouse saying, I was asking, how can I, um, where can I get the paperwork to do the ABC? And she looked at me and said, oh, you can do that online now. I said, excuse me? She said, yeah, all that stuff you can do online. And I'm thinking, wait, here I'm going to this class. I'm going to be a lawyer, and the computer's about to replace me? Yeah. Oh, hell no. Nah. So like, and I realized at that point, technology is replacing tons of jobs and, and a lot of careers. And being a lawyer is not what it was like back in the 80s and the 90s, you know? Now you can go to Zoom. And, you know, a lot of you, you know, there's a lot of these websites and platforms. But they still have lawyers on the other end. Bless. Right, so it's not as much or as prevalent as some it used of it. To. It's more like self, self. Like you can, they're self serve centers where you don't like need need an attorney. Um, well, I mean, I talked to a lawyer. So what? So while I was in <clears throat> at CSU, trying to, you know, the guy was like, you know, it's sad. There's a lot of lawyers who work so hard and they don't make that much money. I was like, what? And he made, he was like, because Hollywood paints this image of these careers, but you don't know there's different levels to it. Mm-hmm. And part of it is because only like 20-something, 30% passed the bar anyway. Um, and so I was like, wow, that, that kind of broke my heart. And it was like, you'll make more money teaching on the average statistically than you would as a lawyer. I was like, oh, that's a sad thing. And I went to teaching. That's literally a true story. It was just like, all right, cool. And then shout out to Delgado, Juan Delgado, who actually sat me. He hunted me down. He was making sure that I was going to be successful. 
he hunted me down. Well, shout out to Dr. Karen Resikoff, who was just like broke down what being a lawyer was and what my interests were. And kind of I was just like, I am more um, authentically aligned with like therapists behavior of people behavior. and why they why they why people make this decisions that they make like how you have a family of three and you have like one kid who does this and another kid who does this they're all so different but they were raised Insane. the same mm-hmm. like i was very curious about that dynamic or family systems really and so um that's why but what I'm saying is when I became a therapist and I walked away from my first career in education, I was like very just like this. There is no other option but right. this. Right. And and your son, you set the standard. Your son, he's going to have to follow that. Um, you know, but I think you when you do what you do, it changes the, the, the legacy of the family. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like the, it becomes like if if they did a family tree. There was this moment right here, where something went another direction. I'm gonna tell you something. Um, that's very like just to bring it all full circle. I was the first one in my family to graduate from college, right? Yeah, and you're the youngest. Are the sisters right? No, I'm the middle. Oh. But in like my entire family, like gen- like my dad's family my mom's family my aunts like i'm the first person right is it you serious you yeah you the first ever yes so um like out of my mom's blood like out of, i'm saying generations like, yeah, yeah 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 i was like the first one and so um i remember ironically so when i thought about like um and shout out to James's mom because she really like ushered. She mm-hmm. like and she had a college degree, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go. She like projected something like different, right? And so um, when I remember when I was just like, "Do I want to go go to law school? Am I going to do this clinical psych thing?" I remember um, I was like, I remember thinking, "All I want." is to normalize education for my nieces and nephews mm. because I like didn't want I didn't want kids <laughs> at the time ever. I was just like I'm not going to have kids, but I just want to normalize this for like my nieces and nephews. And um I was like I want to normalize educated black people. I want them to know that this like I have an aunt who did this and this is not like anything special. This is just what like black people do. We like get our education. And so I remember when we talk about like family sim- sim- family systems, I had to write a picture for grad school, a picture. I had to write a paper for grad school. And so in the paper I wrote about, um, you know, like there was a metaphor about tossing a pebble into a still lake and it creating ripples mm. and how all it takes is one pe- one pebble to create a ripple that can change and the ripple goes out and it can change um, generations. And I was just like, you know, and if I can do this, because like, there's nothing like super special about me, like 
my sister, maybe my sister would want to go to school. And they did. <laughs> and then like my nieces and my nephews, they're going to be like, oh, like my aunt, my aunt, my aunt is so like the most normal down to earth person. And she has like, you know, she, she's educated. So this is what it's not like anything extraordinary. I wanted to like normalize it. And it has literally that decision, like the art. I wish I can. It's, it like plays in my head like a movie. But like since then, my sisters have become college graduate. Like my cousins have graduated. Yeah. My aunt is in school with like straight A's now. Yeah. And and so it was also like in writing that paper it was like because I'm like so I was I'm was ahead of my time. Didn't know it then. But manifestation, like, like it really did change, like that decision and that pursuit, and um, the people who supported me and who reflected things to me. It really like changed the direction and um, the fibers of like our family. And so, family legacies change now because there'll be a literally, you know, when you look at this line, there'll be another fork in a row. And you'll be the reason that fork takes place. Isn't Which that crazy? Which is so crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. And it brings a family to another, you know, it just takes it to another level. So for your, for so for so your student who's like, a, a, what is it, a CMT? or a CNA. A CNA. This is just what my family does. They don't, you can do something different. And because you Big did time. something different- like they will do something like generations to come will do something different you'll change a whole like you'll literally be the lead of a whole new generation come behind you and then someone else is going to take it to a whole nother, a whole nother level exactly and i want i right i, I want to tell you this i am like the most like even for like my clients, because I don't feel like I'm like the typical stereotypical therapist. I'm very like I have tattoos. Yeah. I have like piercings. Yeah. <laughs> my hair can be one color for the next, depending on like whatever. She got dreads right now. Yeah. She's rocking dreads. <laughs> I'm rocking dreads right now. Last year I had like blue hair that was like, you know, I was on my mermaid thing. So tats the whole nine. I am like such like the most like normal not normal. She's unique, but she's cultured. Cultured, down to earth, humble. And I'm like, if I can do it. And th- I was telling my mom the other night, I was like, people look at me and they're just like, oh, you're, you're my, you, you must be some like princess. And she's like, if only they knew, right? <laughs> I was like, if only they knew. Like, childhood was not a, a cupcake walk. Even though I had people who were like, you, but you had both your parents. They were a, a little train wreckish at times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in love. You know, right. and um, there were things that they did, like, amazingly, though. And there was things that, like, I think, like, as far as, like, purpose and openness and needs that, like, came through for me. And everybody's story looks different. But... um I grew up in the projects in South in the project Compton, ladies and gentlemen. No, well, no, Compton was a come up. I grew up in Watts Imperial Court. Oh my, yes, I drive me to Grape yes, Street. Yes, yes. You know yes. that that was where the seed was like planted, and things like 
That you was know. worse than Compton because Compton was at that time a little bit. Compton was a come up. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah, a come yeah. up, and yeah. um, you know, it there it was it there was like challenges, and it's by the grace of God. But I say all that to say that your circumstances, where you live, your family dynamics, none of these things define you. We have, we are all, we all have purpose. We are all gifted. We all have gifts. And it's about finding what that is, finding the courage, the dedication, um, and the commitment to watering and nurturing that to create a life that you want and something that could change your family dynamic. Right, right. Something that aligns for you, not something that's being like... Forced on you. Forced upon you. Because everybody's being forced to get a job and da 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 No. Did you get that whole get married and story? Yes, I did. That didn't work out for me, though, obviously. (laughs) We know how it is. You know, women are told to be at home. and. But there was something else for me. And I was just, um, I had the courage to just. Get into it. Like, be willing to face ugly truths Mm. about what was being told to me and who I was. You know. And we're going to wrap it up and we got to do part two, but I have to go here because it's just, it would be, it wouldn't be, uh, I won't be keeping it real with myself if I don't go in this space. So, so let's just do a little quick summary at the end of your trajectory, you know, like your journey. But for right now, you, my black female, um, scholar, uh, intelligent, course uh prominent and important figure um not just in your family but for other people outside your family um you know you're a pillar in our community being a female do you think men are intimidated by your uh you know i'm just i gotta go there your relationships sometimes are as hindered by your success yes we go in there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so you do you think men are intimidated by you? I don't know. I'm <laughs> I am a very like strong, fiery person in like she said it. She said fiery. She admitted it. All right, let's go. I'm a very strong, fiery, fiery person, and I always tell my business partner, I'm like, yo, I know I'm a lot. Um as far as like my because I am like single now. Mm-hmm. Do I think that that's going to be like a journey? Like that could be like a thing for me? Like, yeah. Because in like my dating life where I am and finances do play a role in like men feeling comfortable or I don't know what it is. Not because of any, because you know, someone told me like men want to feel needed mm-hmm. and women want to feel wanted. Okay. And um, you know, I'm I'm forty years old, mm-hmm. like and I have like my own business and it's sustainable and as you said, like I've done all these things. I like th- these things exist. There I've like worked for them. Right. And I don't know it doesn't seem that that like um, it seems like that like plays some part in whatever. 
So, I mean, you're, you're, you're easily making six figures. Um, you're clocking in crazy money an hour for some folks. And, and you know, you can clock in more because it's up to you, really, and where your clientele is at and how you maneuver that. And so, I mean, and then, of course, not just clientele, but you can do your books when you, if you decide to do publishing and your speaking engagements. Um, I say that because... Let me also ask this question. Would you, if a guy was making $15 an hour, would that would that mess with you? I don't think that, um, I don't, oh, I don't think that. That pause is real. Because I, I wanted to, I want to say, like, okay. I don't think that. I don't think that the discipline and things that like make people be able to be aligned are like the same. Okay. And so the hustle ain't the same because that's never going to be okay for me. Oh, because of the money? Or let's say he hustles and does like Like hustles like what? That's different for four or five different jobs. But intellectually, I feel like it's going to be a problem. How do you know that? Because I'm just saying like. That you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That there you go. It's done. No, I'm just saying, like, the ability, like, critical thinking even. What you mean? I, I feel <laughs> I feel judged right now. What do you mean? What do I mean? I found some amazing people that could be critical thinkers. And could be. Are, have been, and are. Let me just say that. Not a hypothetical. Not because, you know, I've, you know, I help open up homeless shelters. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying, like, no. That's not your, you don't, you don't know. I don't know. I I would never like. I'm not saying like. I. Okay, but it's cool. I get it. You have a standard. I don't need anybody's like money. Okay. So I'm not. I when I meet somebody, I'm not like, how much money do you make? No, I'm not saying that. But it it might be a turnoff. Because you don't feel like they're working hard enough. No, because you can be work. You're not. You're working hard. You're not working smart. Mm. That's interesting. Okay, so. you're working. You are working hard. Right, 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 right. But, but the, in the same way, like my therapist looks at me and she's just like, Maxine, you're working harder. You're not working smarter. And she's saying you should be up, up in your scale. Yeah. Like this, strategically, this is the way you need to be approaching your business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So strategically, this is the way you should be approaching. Not you should. You could be approaching your life to maximize. What are your deficits? You don't believe in yourself. You got shit going on you got all this stuff okay so let's like critically think about how we can get this taken care of Mm -hmm. so you can up yourself so you can amplify yourself as a human right right you always want to be at the highest level and efficiency elevation is always growth is always the key yeah 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 and i feel i feel what you're saying that's what i'm saying and i just want to just you know do a temperature check on that one (laughs) i've not i don't mind dating people who, it's it's a tough because the guys probably with you probably feel the energy or in their mind they don't feel comfortable dating me. Let's just say that. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, this is the West Coast. New York is a different ball. You know? <laughs> Cats in New York, they don't care. They could be making five dollars an hour, and you think they're millionaires. But anyway, shout out to shout out to the Bronx. Feel <laughs> um, Okay, let's do the trajectory real quick. Let's just do this process. All right. You go from 18, you go into college. So there's no gap. 
You just scored right uh, into college. Sorry. It's there okay. was a gap. There um, was a gap? A two-year gap. Mm-hmm. Remember I worked at oh, the... Oh, you did say that. So you went to college when you were 20? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you go to college when you're 20. Okay. And then you go to a community college first. And you do that for two years. And you get what? What? Um, so you don't get an associate degree. I did get an associate's degree. Just a general associate's degree. Liberal studies? Yeah. Okay. So liberal studies. And then from there, you went and became, went to UCR. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what degree did you get at UCR? Sociology, Law and Society. Because I went, thought I wanted to go to law, law school. Law school. So sociology. And you had to do prerequisites, right? After, to go to grad school? Yes. For your master's? Mm-hmm. Three classes? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you graduate from... UCR. UCR. And then you go to APU. Two years later. Two years later, because you you know experienced life. How long was the journey? How long is grad school? You can go. I took. I went to three years. So oh, three years. Two years or four years, but I went in three. So, associates, uh, two year college when you first start is two years. Then you do another two years, right? Mm-hmm. There's no three. It's just two years. That's how long it took me to get my bachelor's. Okay, so two, two, so it's four years. Mm-hmm. So you didn't do the five or six. It's just four years total. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you go into your master's program. That's total three years? Yes. So you did three years? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's two, that's seven, right? With seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, there's gaps. But there's an option for you to, for my program, you can do it in two years full time, or you can do it in four years part time. I was very nervous about going to school, like, because I had took two years off. So I started, I took a year off, then I did my prereqs. So I started just going part-time, and then it was really easy. Okay. <laughs> and so then I start taking, then I wanted to go full-time, but because of the way the tracks were separated, the most I can do was three classes a semester. Okay. So then it took me three years to do it. Oh, okay. That makes, that makes, actually, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense now. All right, so, okay, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. And then the degree that you got from grad school was what specifically? Uh, master's in clinical psychology, licensed in mer- license. Mer- All right, let's do that again. All right, <laughs> the grad school degree you got was what? A master's in clinical psychology, with an emphasis in marriage and family therapy. Wow. Okay, and. After that, well, I, how long did you? How many hours you had to do? I'm sorry, three thousand. So you have to complete. So once you get your degree, you have to complete three thousand supervised hours. Supervised hours, and then from there you go take an exam. Yes. For your license. Yes, with the state of California. And the reason you do that is because that's how you practice, right? That's and, how you get to practice independently on independently. your own. Independently. All right. If, if you don't do that, you don't have to do that, and you can just work under somebody, right? Yeah, but. There she go. I feel you. Yeah, you got to elevate. What's the point in that? (laughs) (laughs) Get your hours done. Take your test. I literally, there's a video I made when I was like, um, I was like, I'm out of the South into the North people when I, (laughs) when I, um, after I got licensed, because that's how it like feels like. Right, right. Like like you, you are, like, type of type stuff. Yeah, I I was like, I, I am. I don't, I'm not, I don't work for anyone's business. Cause I remember a client was like, so what does it mean? I was like, I am my own business now. <laughs> like 
Uh, I am the, the business now. Yeah, you're the yeah. business for sure. Yeah. A thousand percent. And then price range, you started off when you when you first um, got your practice. Uh, your, I don't know, your license. You was $30 an hour. That's when I was an employee. I was an employee, $30 an When hour. I started my private practice, it was like 100 100 And then Maybe. now you're at 250 Because you're going to be upscale anyway. So you're 253 yeah, there you go. There you go. An hour, ladies and gentlemen. And that's awesome. And that's the best. Let me just tell y'all. That should be motivating to y'all to learn that that's a thing. Because people don't know that's a thing. They don't even they don't even understand that. I have people say, I'm going to be a social worker. I'm like, mm-mm. You don't want to do that? Because I went to school for social work. I actually got a full ride. Shout out to the University of Iowa. Much love to y'all. But damn, that's a lot of work. A lot of paperwork. The neighbor across the street, he actually creates the app and the program that replaces caseworkers. And so I think last year he he helped create this program and like 700 social workers were out of a job, case manager. It's crazy, right? Yeah, technology is a beast. So, uh, but if you get your social work degree, you can go into- License, clinical social work. Yeah, so, and that's a bachelor's, right? Social work? No, so to be a licensed clinical social work, you need a master's. Okay. My business partner, I have a, LMFT licensed marriage and family therapist and my business partner shout out to Dominic Valdez shout out shout out um he has a license he's in licensed clinical social work I do sex um I'm a sex therapist and he does sex addiction oh yeah so when we come back part two we're gonna learn about the sex addiction how does it work what does it mean to be a sex addict um and what does it mean to get therapy for sex like Sex therapy. Sex therapy. So we're, we're gonna we gotta come back. We gotta do part two for this. Okay. Um, I just want to say you've been an amazing uh, interviewer. Uh, thank you for coming on this podcast. Interviewee. Interviewee. I apologize. Thank you for correcting me. Because um, <laughs> you was interviewing me too at times. Um, <laughs> uh, and you know, I think it's important what you do. I think your story should be told a lot of places. Everywhere. Because I think it can inspire a lot of young people to make better choices for their career pathways. But, you know, our community, we need more therapy, you know. Yes. Um, when I say our community, the black and brown, you know, I'm Latino, you know, I'm also black. And I feel like we don't talk about therapy because it's a taboo. And we feel like, you know, anybody who takes therapy, something wrong with you. But I think we are hurting and we have a lot of issues that need to be unpacked. Of course. And that's why I'm like, I like seeing praises because even with my choice to become a therapist, I was like, I want to be a therapist for like black people. Like we need representation in these spaces and why don't we like have it? And um, that was a like when I was in grad school, we had to look for a therapist. We had to do 40 hours of therapy. And right. there was like one black therapist in Riverside. And so um, I agree with you. And I like am so um, grateful to be a therapist like in this time because I've had more like outreaching of like black clients and Latino clients looking for a therapist and like 
Your clientele went up, right? Since oh, the I have like a waiting list. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, you're on and demand so, like crazy. Yeah. And I'm so happy to be, I'm just like, this is the time that I've been like praying for because of course, like what you're saying, we're hurting, hurting. Of course it's taboo. Of course, like all the things and all the, um, generational trauma and all of the, um, epigenetics trauma of like slavery and our experiences and all these things, like, you know what I mean? Like it's at a fever pitch. And so I'm so happy to be of service. Um, and I think 100, I know (laughs) I know how comfortable I how like grateful I I felt when I found my therapist who's like black, but like including my therapist, I know not a lot. Including my therapist, I know four other African American therapists, and that's thousands of therapists. Thousands. Only in Los An- in the Los Angeles area, my my therapist doesn't take any isn't taking clients. Um. No, it's include. No, it's actually only like, including myself, it's five. Wow, on one hand, and three are women and two are male. So finding a black male therapist hang is like a unicorn. Yeah, you can hang that up. Like unicorn. I know. Wow, it's two black male therapists and myself my therapist and another therapist included three like females and and i know folks when they hear this thing about black professionals and career pathway why black black um um, people have the worst academic performance in the state of california and also nationally so when we talk about black professionals and black career pathways i mean career pathways for black folks it's really hard to keep black and the dropout rate is insane insane and so that's why we don't see a lot of black professionals because, you know, they don't really make it uh, successfully. Um, I know Cal State, um, at CSU, when, you know, when I'm there and I'm, because I, you know, help with the Pan-African, you know, I help, co- I'm one of the co-founders of the centers there, Pan-African Center, Latinx, Asia Pacific, da 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 And when it comes to the numbers for the African-American, like we had 800 students, right, one semester, black, all, out of 20,000 students, there was only 800 black students. When we went to look at dropout rate, 800 became literally 600 students. And then the 600 students were doing poorly. Like it was maybe 100 or two that were efficient and everybody else was like on the thread. And it was like crazy. So when you look at those numbers, even now the the dropout rate has increased because of the pandemic. Even before the pandemic, it was worse. Let's ask yourself, how many black professionals have you seen in anything? Dentist, doctor, lawyer, teaching. You name a profession and ask yourself how many times you come across a black professional. And you're going to see the number is really low. And that's another thing we have to discuss and at another time. Yes. Um, because, time. you know, because we, we got to wrap it up. But to have you break... Um, I call it the poverty curse or the the, the curse of, of 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 a generation because I find poverty is a curse because um, you're not you're not able to do a lot and you know healthcare is an issue all the other issues that come with it. Thank you for being the lead on that 
and taking the charge and and being profound and making a big impact and a big difference. You are the catalyst. And so I just want to thank you for being a pioneer, being a leader, um, staying strong, uh, continuing to be beautiful and a great bomb. And, you know, you are amazing. So thank you for being you. And thank you for coming on this podcast, uh, College Career and Beyond. You want to say anything? No, I just, oh, yes, I would like to say for all of the listeners out there that, you know, you got to dig deep, you got to commit, you have to dare to dream the impossible and to commit to chasing it and making, um, proving everybody else wrong, proving yourself right and aligning with your purpose despite what the odds, feelings are not facts. The stories and narratives we tell ourselves are not true. And it's about aligning with who and what you know that you are. Beautiful, well said. And where can people find you? You have a website or anything like that? Any information? Um, a website. Say the name of your uh, company again, and then uh, a way to contact your, your agency. Um, my company is Life and Sex Therapy um, Center, and you can actually just go to www.lifeandsextherapy.com, and you can find um, bios for, well, it's my company website, so information about me or my business partner, Dominic Valdez, or you can also just type in Maxine Hughes, LMFT, on Psychology Today, and also reach me that way. And I'll make sure to put that the bio and the contact uh, in the description of the podcast so you can find them. Um, so just click the link, and I'll have a link directly to the agency. So, to my website and my Psychology Today profile. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get all of that. Uh, so thank you again. Appreciate your time. Love and respect you. You've been absolutely amazing. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Thank you for listening to CAB, College, Career, and Beyond. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find us on whatever provider podcast you listen to, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and more. Continue listening to CAB, College, Career, and Beyond. We keep you ahead of the game and not behind the game.